All right, so we are continuing to talk about kingdom culture. And today I bags the topic of celebration as perfect timing to have Xavier's dedication on the same day because that is such a cool celebration for us. And now this topic may sound unusual. You might think in church we're always talking about, I don't know, seemingly more serious things. But what I want to really share with you today is that God is serious about celebrating. And we should be a people of celebration. That's what Christians should be, characterized by celebration. When you think about it, Jesus described the kingdom of heaven like a wedding feast. We are a people who have that to look forward to, and that is what should be characterizing our lives as we live it. We should always be living with that spirit of celebration, just like David did. So what we're going to do is we are going to look through the Bible briefly, and then, well, we're going to look at the Bible the whole time, but briefly look at how we're characterized as a people of celebration, and then we're going to see what it says about what our celebrations should look like. So before we get into that, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you have brought us here. We thank you for the great things that you do in our lives, and Lord, as we want this morning, as we've gathered here to celebrate your glory and the things that you have done, Lord, we celebrate in each of our hearts the wonderful blessings that you've given to each of us personally. And Lord, as we listen, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, uh, make it clear what you want us to get out of this today. Amen. So if we look back at our shared story in Scripture, we look at the story of the Israelites, and we start to understand that celebrating is part of our DNA. So if you remember the story, the, the Israelites are freed from slavery in Egypt, and they come out, and they're in the desert, and they're given the law. And that's the opportunity for God to shape his people. And as part of that law, not only does it talk about cows, like if a cow wanders into your neighbor's property and like gouges another cow, like who's in charge of that, who has to pay, whatever. So those are the kind of slightly more boring parts of the law. But there's this, in the middle of the law, there's this part where it institutes national celebrations. Okay, it's something you wouldn't really expect in the laws. Usually it's a you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this, but it actually says that you need to have fun. And they put it right in the, in the middle of the law. Now, you may know that in the Torah, God instituted seven festivals for the Jewish people to observe in this way. And the three main ones were pilgrimages to Jerusalem or to wherever the, the presence of the Lord was being celebrated. And on those uh, pilgrimages, people would take days off work. They would travel together, tell stories, have fun. It was a break in the monotony of the everyday grind, and it was a time for people to count their blessings, to focus on God, and to truly remember what it is in their lives that's important. This is important for us to do. God knows what it means to be living a flourishing life for us humans, and that is part of it, celebration. God mandated fun. It was against God's word to not have fun. How cool is that? Um, that's the kind of God we worship. It says in Deuteronomy 13, 14, I will read of the festival of tabernacles. It says, be joyful at your festival. You, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites or the priests, 
the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. No one should appear empty-handed before the Lord. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord God has blessed you. So God commands us to have fun. God wants to include everyone, no matter of status. We're to enjoy one another's company together and to be generous. So this is the kind of celebration that the Bible is talking about. So part of those celebrations were to tell the story. Uh, For those of you who are familiar with those, um, the Passover, the flight from Egypt, the way that God led his people through the desert, the Day of Atonement, all of those uh, festivals and celebrations were telling the story. They were telling God's love for his people, his seeing their suffering and rescuing them and bringing them into a place of wholeness. And this is the story that each of them tell a little part of that story. So when we look at why we celebrate as Christians, now all of those are a little bit out of date. So some people say to me, oh, well, why don't we celebrate the great feasts that are in the Bible? Well, the reason is that those were celebrating an incomplete part of the story. And now we have Jesus Christ who came as the fulfillment of all of that. And that is why we've moved on to celebrate the fullness of God's full story, all of God's glory before our eyes um, back then and in our scriptures now. We celebrate those things. So our Christian festivals, they express the story, okay? But they express the full story now. So you guys are obviously familiar with Christmas the day that Jesus was born, the day that hope came to the world, and the day that start of sort of this new phase, this final phase of God's redemptive story where he came to save humanity. We also celebrate the periods of Lent and Easter, like the Jewish celebration of Yom Kippur. Um, This starts with a time of self-denial, self-reflection and examination. That's the period that we're in now before Easter. And this period of um, suffering and sadness culminates in Good Friday, where we know that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was hung on the cross. Our sins were put upon him. And on Good Friday, we're confronted of the, with the ugliness of our sins. We, we're aware of how disastrous our sins are. And then we celebrate in a very subdued way, his death, because in his death, it was the end of our sins, and we no longer had to suffer shame because of that. But then, after all the sadness, comes Easter Sunday, and we know that on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose again. He defeated death, He went past that. He dealt with our sin. He made it. When he rose again, he made a way for us to rise again too. He made a way for us to live with God forever in peace and joy and contentment. That is good news, wouldn't you think? Yes. That's it, Marianne. That's what I want to hear. Yes, it is. It is great news, and it is worth celebrating. Okay, but so many people just kind of, I think, they, they make it so it's not a huge celebration. They're not like 
you know, getting half naked and dancing with reckless abandon like David. They're kind of, it's kind of like, oh, yep, you know, we'll just celebrate that quietly. I think for what we really need to do is to think, do I get it? Does this really matter to me? Is this as important and as amazing and all-consuming, this gospel message that I celebrate with the same vigor that it really requires? And I think that's something for us to celebrate. Are we too demure in our celebrations? So a life characterized by celebration and thankfulness is now what we live as people who are free, as people who are joyful, as people who are the recipients of this good news, we should be living lives that are characterized by celebration. It says, so we should do that in the big festivals, but it's, Paul says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's important. It's something we should be doing every day. Each moment of our lives is now a moment lived in freedom, and it's a moment to be thankful for and celebrate. So what does that look like for the average Joe Christian here? Well, in the New Testament, you know, we've got the greatest cause for celebration, and I'm sure you guys know it well. Um, we had the reading before. It's, it's when someone comes to put their faith in Christ, because that person now has an eternal life with God, and that is worth celebrating. So the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son, they're all stories of where someone has come back to the Father. They have been found. They were lost, and now they're found. And that is the number one reason for us to celebrate. And I wonder when we know someone who comes to Christ, usually I think the most we do is kind of give them a Bible and pray for them. But I wonder if we should actually just start throwing parties, you know, really celebrate with the same... um, you know, energy and and amazingness that it deserves. Heaven, it says in the Bible that heaven is celebrating. Heaven's throwing a party when people come to Jesus, and we need to be doing more of that on earth to show how amazing it is. But we should also be celebrating the little things. Everything good that we have comes from God, and we should be giving thanks for those things. Uh, When I ran a space group, some of you might have gone to one. It's a group for new mums and babies. And, you know, when you're... It was a room of really stressed-out parents, basically, for a year. It's the first year of the baby's life. You go along every week, and you, sh- you share and hang out for two and a half hours. And a lot of these mums would realise, like, they, the worst thing was happening to their baby, and then it would just, like, they never got any sleep. And then suddenly, like, a week later, you know after a few months of this, it would change. And then there was another problem. And parents now realize there's a season, isn't there? There's a phase of something very challenging that almost kind of replaces itself each time as the child goes on. But what I was saying to these women who were just so stressed out, it's like, well, last week he was like, you know, it had been months of throwing up everything I fed it. Uh, but now it's like, that seems to have gone, and now it's sleeping problems. You know, it was always the next thing. Kids go through seasons of things that challenge us. And I would say to them, do you know what? Your life is going to be an endless drudgery of suffering and stress unless you take the time to celebrate that that first season that was driving you mad last week has ended. And it's something that sometimes it just hits you. You're like, oh, wow, they're not doing that thing anymore because I'm so caught up in other stuff. But once you realize that, I said, pour yourself a glass of wine or whatever it is you like to drink. 
take five minutes to just say, it's over. (laughs) That baby is now actually keeping food down. Thank you, God. This is something to celebrate. So we celebrate the small things. Uh, Whenever Chris and I finish a Sunday, at the end of the night, you know, if we've had church and had people over, at the end of the day, we put on our favorite TV show, grab a glass of wine, whatever it is, sit down and just go, "Ah," no matter whether it went well or it went badly, it's over. Thank you, God. We've come to the end of the day and we just mark that finish. We have a little celebration that that has finished. I wonder what it is in your lives that you guys need to think about and actually mark the occasion with a small celebration. And what does celebrating look like? Do I have a slide for that? Yes. What does it look like? Well, it should be fun. You should be able to tell that it's happening. Okay, so this may sound really obvious, but um, at my ordination at the cathedral, you know, it's a brilliant time. There are so, the cathedral in Auckland is packed for an ordination. And there's tons of people who don't go to church. And you think, you know, the music, when it comes to the music time, they play something fun, right? Or they play Amazing Grace. Everyone knows Amazing Grace, right? Perfect opportunity. But they didn't. At my ordination, they played, when it came to the music part, they played something that sounded like, like the Death March thing off, like Star Wars. It was so depressing. It sounded like people had come here just for their souls to die. Like, (laughs) it was not a fun day. Let's put it that way. It should have been a wonderful day with people being set apart for their ministry to to preach the gospel um, and do all the other stuff that us ministers do. But it wasn't. And I wanted to say, hey, guys, have you read your Bible lately there should be some half-naked people dancing around having a wild time. (laughs) Maybe they saved that for the after party, but it wasn't at the one I was at. Um, So I think a lot of the celebrations, you look more like that scowling, horrible woman who was just watching David dancing, and she's like in this dark room. You know, I think almost we seem more like that than we do like David, and we need to actually think about what we're doing. It's actually good for us to cut loose once in a while. Um, it's proven to cause a reduction in your stress levels overall if you, you know, just give caring about everything, a rest for a while, have a drink, have some dancing. It, it actually reduces your stress. It makes you a healthier person. It also builds community and the relational bonds with people because you have to join together, don't you, to celebrate, and you share stories, and you have fun. It builds a community, and it also reinforces the values that you hold, because usually you're meeting together for a reason, and it's a shared reason, and it actually brings us together, reinforces our values. So it pays for us to relax, to cut loose once in a while. David, he danced so wildly in that skimpy priest's outfit because he was matching the intensity of what he was celebrating. So he was going hardcore because he was celebrating the, the arrival of the Ark of the Covenant coming into his city, and that was the presence of God. So, I mean, that's a huge deal. That's why he was going wild. And when that grumpy lady, Mikhail, said to him, you know, you shouldn't have been doing that. It's so embarrassing. Everyone was looking at you. He says to her, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me 
and above your father and all his family. So she had a little bit of a gripe there already. But anyway, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. I wonder if we are willing to step out of our comfort zones to actually celebrate it in a way that is proportionate to what we are celebrating. Maybe we have to push past some embarrassment to be able to have a good time. Example, my husband, who doesn't dance. I've seen him dance, though. So it, it, when he dances, he has a great time. He just needs to push past that, oh, no, I don't dance. You know, I can't have fun, you know. He, when, he, when he cuts loose and actually gets out there, has a great time. Maybe we need to all do that a little bit more. Get out of our comfort zone so we can actually get out of our own heads and actually relax. Um, in the prodigal son story retold in Luke 15, when his, his father, his son, goes away and he squanders the family fortune, and then eventually he realizes the error of his ways and he comes back to his father. It's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. Um, and the father says when he sees him, instead of telling him off, he says, quick, to the servant, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. And as the other brother approaches, they hear the music and the dancing. And the father was rejoicing over his other son's return into the family. Now, I wonder if we would do that. Or if we would just go, oh, that's so great. It's so good to have you home and give him a cuddle. Do we actually pull out all the stops anymore? Do we do that? Do we go grab the fattened calf and, and kill it, have a massive roast and a dancing everything? We don't, we don't often do that, I feel. We need to celebrate a lot more. We need to recognize the blessed events that happen in our lives all the time and celebrate. And our celebrations should not just be about having a good time. They're often characterized by, well, they should always be characterized by thanksgiving and generosity. Um, I think this is familiar in Asian cultures. Uh, when celebrating, you, you, know, you bring your wallet, you bring everything to the table, and you give and you give. And interesting, a lot of the Old Testament celebrations involved giving. So it was giving of thanksgiving prayers. It was giving of their offering to God. It said in um, that Deuteronomy verse, it said, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord God has blessed you. So each time we celebrate, we're not only showing our gratitude and sharing the ways that we've been blessed with our friends and family, but we also should be giving proportionately to our income. And this is why on a Sunday morning, in case you've been wondering, we take up an offering because this is a celebration of what Jesus has done for us. And so that's part of it. We come, we're ready to give, we're ready to serve, we're ready to celebrate. And that's what we do on a Sunday morning. But it's not just about having fun and giving that makes a celebration. Um, the important part of a celebration is retelling the purpose, telling the purpose of why you're here. If you have a whole bunch of people turn up and there's kind of no point, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. You usually gather everyone, everyone around in a party and you say, okay, the reason that we're all here is we're here to 
and you tell the story. Now, I know at Easter and Christmas, we love to hear the Christmas story and the Easter story because it brings us joy, but it also grounds us. There's a purpose to it. If we didn't tell the story, it would be a bit of a waste because when we tell the story that we all hold as truth in the center of what we believe, it grounds us, doesn't it? This is why we retell it every week in the sermons. And you might think, oh, I've heard that before. But the point is, yes, you have, absolutely, of course you've heard it. But the point is to ground it into, the, like, into your being so that it's the thing through which you see all of life. It gives you your worldview. It's what you use to evaluate. Everything around you is that story. And that's why it is so important for us to always remember to keep the story as central in our celebrations. Even a wedding is celebrating part of God's story, two people coming together as God mandated and to be living together in holy matrimony, modeling what Christ's relationship with the church is in two people in that intimacy. Definitely worth a party. In Psalm 145, it says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And that is what the Jewish people did when they came back, when they came together for those celebrations. They told the story. Now, the best 21st that I ever went to, I want to share it with you because it was honestly just beyond belief how good this 21st was. It's one of those people, you know those people, do you have a person in your life who always does stupid stuff and everyone always has a million ridiculous stories about this person? Oh, I love those people. And I love good storytellers because those two things together make for the best weddings in 21st. Uh, but the best one I went to uh, was of my friend, um, let's call him Steve, and Steve was a little bit of a big, well, he was a big kid, let's put it that way, he was a chunky kid, and when he was little, and by this time, Steve had slimmed down completely, and was really handsome, okay, so everyone thought, great, it's not awkward anymore, let's tell all those jokes from, about stories about from when he was littler, okay, some of you are smiling already, you can tell where this is going, but anyway, um, so one of the stories was Steve, he was at school, and his, he was in a French class, and his French teacher felt really bad for him, because some of the kids kind of picked on him for being bigger, and that sort of thing, so she thought, okay, I'm going to make him feel a bit better, so what they did is they, um, they baked a cake, this is a French tradition, I think, and they put a little baby Jesus in the cake, so it's around like Christmas time and so they cut up the cake and they give a piece to everybody at the party and if you have the little baby Jesus then you are the star of the party right so she makes it so that the little baby Jesus goes into the part of the cake that my friend has Steve so they hand it all out and then the time comes that they start to eat it and the, you know they're all finished and the teacher says okay so who had the baby Jesus in their cake and um Everyone's silent, and then the teacher's like, Steve, is, you, you had the baby Jesus. And then everyone, some kid starts pointing at him, and it's like, Steve ate the baby Jesus. <laughs> totally the opposite of what the French teacher wanted. Okay, super, oh, I mean, you couldn't get a better story for a little fat kid. But anyway, um, 
<laughs> that 21st story after story came out, and in the end, he um, called himself an ambulance at the end of the night because he drank too much. So he continued his legacy of embarrassing stories. Um, but I think since then, he's grown up. He's a great guy. But after each of those stories, right, you wouldn't just tell that story and sit down because that's really cruel. What you do at the end of a story, right, is you tell the wonderful things that that person has done or the good influence they've had on your life, right? So you'd be like, Steve, you know, he ate the baby Jesus, but um, he's a wonderful guy, you know, since then he's picked himself up, he's, um, you know, he's been really kind to me, because he always was, he was a really nice guy, still is, and, um, you know, he was just this great guy. What we need in our celebrations is that as well. In church, we call them testimonies. And that is something that we need as a good part of a celebration. We tend to think, like at weddings and stuff, you have the formal part, which is the Christian part, and then you have the reception, which is the crazy wild part. But I'm kind of saying to you that I think it's all in one. We need to have that kind of spirit all the way through the services and the celebrations we have. Um, Testimonies have an amazing effect. Um, if you didn't know, when you hear somebody stand up and a lot of people will tell their conversion story and those are powerful and awesome. But do you know what? They're not the end. You know, Jesus continues to work in our lives every week. And what I want to see is when we're here on a Sunday with this celebration, more people sharing what Jesus is doing in their lives, you know, the week before. Because when we do that, it exalts God, doesn't it? It encourages us all. And for people who don't believe and are just here to, to listen, you know, maybe they're wondering what we do, it's a brilliant example of what a life with Christ is like in the power of God. It's, it's so wonderful. So we need more of that. We need more speeches is what we need. So, people, in conclusion, don't be shy. Let's get out there. Let's be a little bit wild. Um, What we want to do is we want to think deeply about how we live. That's what I want you to do today. I want you to do some soul searching. Do I celebrate enough? Am I thankful enough? Am I doing enough to celebrate so that I can really get that out there? I can show my love and appreciation of God and the blessings that God has given to me. I wonder, do we need to loosen up, live a little? Do we need to lose some clothes, going crazy dancing? Don't do it here, though. So it'll be really awkward because I'm going to get you to, to stand up and do the last song. And I'm pretty sure Mike doesn't want to see any like clothes whipped around and thrown off. But we can loosen up a little. Okay, I think we need to celebrate things. Is there a new ritual you want to put in your life that actually marks the end of the working week or marks the end of something? Or, you know, is there something you need to do? You get a new job, you kind of tell people, oh, yeah, I got a new job. What we want to be is the person who goes, that's awesome news. Let me take you out for a drink to celebrate. Like, you need a coffee. We've got to talk this through. We want to be the people who are there first to celebrate life of the party because we have such good news to celebrate and because we can recognize what God is doing in other people's lives and we want to bring that to their attention. That is the kind of people that we want to be. So what I invite you to do now is, Chris, underneath your legs there, um, is a basket. Could you actually be my helper? And can you <laughs> grab, there is a little party popper in there for everyone today. And we are going to sing our last song. And while we are doing that, I want you to take your party popper, direct it upwards so that I don't have any health and safety issues, and pull it. And when you pull it sometime in this final song, I want you to be crazy and let out like a woo or a hallelujah, or 
you know, a small celebratory noise so that we can see that actually in church you can make a noise, you can get out there, you can keep your clothes on and celebrate in a wonderful way. So when you do that, I want you to think about how blessed you are, how cool it is that Xavier got dedicated, and how awesome it is that you are here this morning.